Hi, I'm Pastor Stefan Margeson. This is the sermon podcast for Aldersgate Worship Service of Front Street United Methodist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. Come and join us each Sunday morning in person at 8.45 a.m. in the Aldersgate Gym. God be with you. Our scripture this morning is from Exodus, uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 2 and 11 through 13. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my might, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in splendor, and doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. In your steadfast love, you led the people whom you redeemed. You guided them by your strength to your holy abode. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Short little clip to get ready for this midweek's video. You saw there were some extra special guests. Hello. Hi. And I first want to say I am so thankful for all of my volunteers that are a part of making this service happen. I really, I mean that. It makes uh, this uh, a unique and wonderful and beautiful and intimate. It's a service that we all pitch in to make together. That is what worship is about. So I am so thankful to all of you. And that's an encouragement to anybody that is not a part of our uh, readers or prayers or setting up in the morning. Uh, If you would like to be a part of Aldersgate and make this service happen, please, we would love for you to be uh, a part of that. Chan Register would love to talk with you. I'd love to talk with you. There's a sign-up sheet that would love to talk with you. It all works that way. But as we worship together, um, as we take some moment to, to look at Scripture, we first start with prayer. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. Oh God, in this space as we gather together, wherever we are on our faith journeys, let this be a space that restores. God, we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I want to start with a story from a couple of years ago. Uh, This was a part of my commissioning journey. So uh, nobody really knows what that word means except for myself and Pastor Ray and and Sierra, my wife, who's been journeying along this pathway with me for as long as it has been, as long as it's going. I am in the process of becoming fully ordained in the Methodist Church, a great process. It is called the commissioning process. I'm not quite there yet. I've got a few steps to go. But a couple of years ago in this process, I sat down with some uh, wonderful people, wonderful leaders who interviewed me, were uh, kind of checking to see where I was along this path that I'm going. And they asked me a whole bunch of questions about readiness and, and what it looks like for me to engage people in the church. They asked me some, you know, Uh, hypothetical questions about if situations like this came up, what would you say? What would you do? And man, they can come up with some interesting stuff, I'll tell you what. And this question was pretty interesting, and and depending on where you're from, you may not understand it, but I'll give the background, the context. I'm in South Alabama at this point, and um, this is just in January or so. I'm going through these, these interviews. And uh, the important part of this context is it's, it's just after deer season. 
and so this matters. It may sound weird to you at first, but it, it matters for this context. So I'm sitting in these, these interviews, and, and one of the questions comes up, and, and they say, okay, so you're in a church, and, and you've been uh, enjoying time and relationship with all of these people, but there's one or maybe two or maybe three uh, men in the congregation that for the last number of months well, they haven't been there on Sunday morning. Where have they been? And so you go and you approach them and you ask, where have you been the last couple of weeks? We've missed you around here. And they say, well, it was deer season. So I'm in a tree stand. Sunday mornings are the best day to go out and, and to be in the tree stand and to look for whatever might come across their path. And uh, the follow-up question is, well, um, what do you say to this person when they come at you with, I I've been away from Sundays because I've been in a tree stand in the woods, uh, but I can meet God there. Well, I thought for a second. And I said some words that I think made sense to the people that gathered there. i I'm, I'll be honest, I don't remember them. But in that moment, it was essentially a, a holy, I don't know. Because, yeah, you could totally meet God in a tree stand, in those individual, personal, quiet moments in life. Absolutely, you can meet God there, right? And you maybe have those own places in your life where you have this quiet, alone time. The rest of the world seems to divide itself away from you. And you have this moment of reflection. And, and, and maybe in most of the time that you gather there, you're not reading a scripture or praying, but... But you could. You could. I wonder about those men as they gathered in the tree stand, if they brought their Bible along with them, if they paid attention to the words as opposed to the fields in front of them. Certainly God is there. But I was left with the question afterwards, even after I fumbled through some sort of answer, what really would I say? What would make a difference to this person who says and understands and knows that they can meet God in the tree stand in those quiet spaces? Yes, certainly, but, but there's got to be something that's missing. And, and really, the meat of the question comes down to this, is, is when you're going through life, when you're journeying through this Christian walk, and you get to a place where hardships just fall upon you, when you get to a place where it seems like your prayers are not being heard, when you get to a place where you can't find God as easily or hear God as easily in your life, in your walk, what do you do? It's this, when your faith is weak, what next? How do you build that faith back up? How do you re-engage with that relationship with God? How do you deal with a time when your faith is weak? That's the question that rolls around in my head from that moment a few years ago up until today. And I'll be honest, I don't have the answer. I, if I ever say I have the answer, you better start walking out the door because that, that's not me. That's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm not supposed to have the answer. But I have some inklings. I have some curiosities. I have some wonders that Scripture helps point me to. Well, one of the places I love in Scripture is, is Paul talking about faith to his churches. And as he lifts up an understanding of what faith is, he says, we don't believe, we don't have faith in what we can see. It wouldn't make any sense. For who needs to have faith in what you can see? You already know it's there. But we have faith because we can't see. We have faith because we can't see. What is this relationship between faith and seeing, I wonder? Well, if you can see something, then you know it's there. You really don't have to do any mental gymnastics to get to that place of understanding that thing that you see is real. It's 
there, right? Easy enough. But the thing that you can't see, the thing that you can't see, that, if there's something you can't see and yet you have this feeling, you have this understanding that you know it is there, you know it. You have no proof, you have no real thing to show, you have no thing to look at, but you know it is there. Well, that seems to be pointing a little bit towards faith to me. Faith is knowing something is there, at least in this one example for us today. Faith is knowing something is there even if you can't see it. So, how do we engage this question then? What do we do when our faith is weak, when our understanding, knowing of something that we want to be there, we want to be able to see, and yet we can't? How do we re-engage that? How do we bolster ourselves? How do we build up faith in those times of need? I still wrestle with this question, but I come at it from different points as well, because there's other things that we can't see, and yet we know, and we hold on to, and we search for in our lives, and well, one of those to me is happiness. What do you do when you're happy? When you're just elated, when you're so happy, you're just excited and you can't hold that happiness in and you have to do something or say something. What, what is that thing? What do you do when you're just so happy? Well, my wife and, and my kids know well that when I'm just happy and I, I can't contain it, I just burst out in song. It doesn't matter what song, it's usually the first song that comes to my head, and between the month of May and September, it's typically Christmas songs, to my wife's disdain. <laughs> for whatever reason, this time of happiness, it, it burst out in song for me, and whatever the ones that come to my mind, whichever one seems fun in the moment, I, I just go along with it. Happiness is that thing that wells up inside me and comes out vocally, and, and you've heard me, I, I sing a little bit, but in those times, it doesn't matter how to sound like. It's just that I'm singing. What do you do when you're happy? But if I'm anything but happy, and if I'm not at that place of being overwhelmingly happy, I'll tell you what, I don't sing. And if I'm really down, I can't sing. I can't. What do you do when you're down, feeling sad, you have the jumps, can't find happiness? I still wonder about that. And then as I'm at this place of being sad, beaten down, wanting this happiness that I, I know and I felt and I, I remember and, and yet it's not there, I, I sit and I'm in my sadness and my sadness turns to boredom and my boredom turns to tiredness and then when I'm tired I yawn and then it hits me. There was a study I had read a number of years ago about a, a a group that brought together people to try and understand the relationship between connection and involuntary uh, mimicry. They brought people together and they wanted to understand what made connection. If there was something that connected people, was there an opportunity for them to copy someone else? How could we see what connection was in the real world? And so they gathered people together in a study and they put them in a group and they had one control person some point through the, the conversation yawn. And as they yawned, and there were people in the room that were at varying connection levels, some knew that person better and some knew that person a little worse, and it seemed as though the people that knew them better would yawn back. 
And they did this over and over again, and they seemed to find this connection between mimicry and how related, how comfortable, how connected you might have been to another person. And so there begins that origin of the story, the myth of yawns being contagious. Have you heard that before? I'm not going to yawn to see who I'm connected to in this room. I, I hope that you are. I, I'd be worried. If I yawned, then no one would, and then, oh no. But yawns are, are contagious, and it's such a peculiar thing, and it, it has to do with relatedness, with connectedness from one person to another. And as I track my, my brain down this rabbit hole that I'm going on, I find that since yawns are contagious, well, maybe other things are contagious too, like happiness. And so I spend some time in those places of sadness and being downtrodden and beaten up, and I go and I find people that I love and I care for, and especially the people that I know right now are happy, and I spend some time with them. And it doesn't fix me in that moment. It's not a fix, but it allows me some time to recuperate, and maybe it's a day or two later, and my happiness, it seems to come back. It seems like happiness might be a little bit contagious, too. You might remark on that. And if yawns are contagious and happiness is contagious, I wonder, and I, I, I walk down this crazy thought in my head, and, and if these things are true, then maybe, just maybe, what if faith is contagious? Have you ever wondered about that? What if faith is contagious? It seems an odd thing at first, but as I listen to the story of the Israelites, where they are right now, they have just journeyed out of the Red Sea. They got through that big hurdle of being slaves in Egypt, wandering through the desert a little bit, crossing the Red Sea, and the seas close in just in time behind them to save them from falling back into this place. And what's the first thing that they do when they get to the other side? They sing. They sing a joyous song. They all lift it up together. The scriptures call this Moses song. I, I wonder if he wrote it, but, but they all sing it together aloud. They, they lift up this chorus, all voices in one. Now, it's an interesting thing, this song, the song of Moses, because what we just read, it pertains to what has just happened to them, walking through the Red Sea and being saved by God in this moment. But there are other parts of this song that point us to other places that they have yet to come to, uh, the mountains and the wilderness and the hunger and the starvation and moving into even the promised land. And so this song, even though it happens at the beginning of their journey, it captures their whole escape, their whole path, their whole wilderness walk. And, and so one thing we know about that song then, it wasn't written entirely at the beginning, it was collected and added to as time went on, meaning that as the Israelites went through the desert, went through the wilderness, they continued to sing this song over and over again, adding to it, they continued to lift up this chorus. What is that song? but worship. And it's in this place of worship that they have created for themselves a storehouse of faith. A storehouse 
of faith. Because in this song, they're capturing things that have already happened, but also pointing to things that have not yet. Things they already have seen, they know, and they trust, and they hold to, and it's a part of their hope as they move forward. But in the unseen things that are yet to come, they sing this song, and even though they may at points be bewildered, confused, hungry, thirsty, they sing this song as a way of reminding them of the faith that they need to have. Yet they don't see what is coming, they know and they trust in God, and so as they sing this song, their faith, well, it begins to restore. It begins to build them up again. They begin to lift this chorus aloud, and that faith bubbles up even more. And maybe it was only a few people at first that got that chorus going, but as others joined in, their own faith began to lift up. And you see that marker as it might have happened, that faith then is contagious. And so back to that person at the beginning of my story, that person who met God in the tree stand, sure, of course. You meet God in a myriad of places. But what do you do when your faith is weak? Where do you go? Now, I'm not going to take any power away from God that's to say that God can't meet you in many places and restore many things. Uh, but I'm going to point to one thing. As the Israelites went through this journey of hardship and uplifting and the ups and downs of the wilderness, they made sure to gather and worship often to restore their faith. So a simple message, I hope something that really rings true for your ears today. What do you do when your faith is weak? Well, here you are. Worshiping. And maybe you're here this morning, your faith is weak. Maybe you're here this morning, your faith is high. Uh, in both places, I hope that we gather together and lift up this chorus as one because faith, faith is contagious. And what a beautiful thing that is. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, as we lift up all things to you, we know that you can take them and turn them into beautiful things, aside from us knowing or having an understanding of what that looks like. And so, God, as we walk forward into the unseen, we look for ways in which you will continue to pour into us faith from the people around us. Let us lift one another up. Let us walk this journey together. Let us worship you often. In your holy name we pray, amen.